Welcome to Thrive With Motion, the podcast celebrating the power of the great outdoors to inspire personal growth, adventure, and well-being. In each episode, we interview everyday people who have a deep love for the outdoors, exploring their personal journeys, insights, and stories of triumph and perseverance. From athletes to weekend warriors, we showcase the diversity of outdoor enthusiasts who have found solace and purpose in nature. Join us for Thrive With Motion and discover the endless potential for growth and healing that lies within us all. Like, follow, and download our podcast to stay connected with our latest episodes. Let's thrive together. Today, we are joined with Christian Hampshire, and we're going to talk about mental health and mental health awareness. As Christian shares with us his personal stories and struggles with mental health. Man, you have got an incredible story, and I'm excited to sit down and talk to you. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm doing. I'm doing amazing. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and I apologize for. Um, yeah, we, we we've been trying to do this a couple times, and um, you know, life gets in the way. But excited to be here. So. Good. Well, Christian, I don't even know where to start yeah. with your story. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I was introduced to you and then I read it, you know, you get that story in runner's world talking about mental health. Let's, let's talk about, uh, your FKT attempt. So and an FKT just for everybody is the fastest known time. And, uh, so let's talk about your FKT in the Grand Canyon and maybe what motivated you to do that too. Cause that's really what, what the story is about. So, yeah. Um, I'll back up a little bit. Um, I've, I've always, and this is one thing I'm still trying to learn about myself of, you know, how, you know, how and why we do things a certain way. Um, I, I had very, I grew up in a, um, a great house. My, my parents, um, very supportive. And, um, you know, I think when I grew up, it was a little different time. Um, the, uh, and in terms of, I think now uh, um, I'm, I was reflecting with my brother my, with my brother the other day, and I remember um, we used to go to Sun Valley every year, and uh, my parents are going on a, a date night, and we uh, made friends with uh, a local couple there, and they had a couple kids, and so they dropped us off at their house to kind of play, and and I was um, I was a prankster, still am a prankster. And, and I, I can't remember what I did, but I did something to deserve it. But I remember their dad took his belt off and just whipped me. Um, and, um, I never told my parents cause I think I just, I deserved it, but, um, <laughs> but it, it's, it was, um, different time than I mean, my dad was never abusive, but the only time he, um, got mad at me is if I said anything derogative to my mom, um, which, you know, he should have if, if, if I did, but, um, my, yeah, again, I grew up in an amazing, very supportive, um, awesome family. And, but I always had a, a different drive. I think, uh, I remember my brother when he, had, when he bought his first house and I don't think I, I, I don't seek out approval or try to prove myself, but, um, I think I've always wanted to surprise myself and others with, with certain things. And so I remember we were, remodeling his house and my, they were leaving to get lunch and they asked me to come. And I said, no, you know, bring me back a burrito and I'll just keep working. And we were ripping up carpet and, uh, and the, the tax strips that go around on the original hardwood floors. And I remember when, when they left, I'm just like, I'm going to go ape shit (laughs) on this. And just, I just went crazy. And cause I wanted them to come back and be like, holy crap. 
like you did all this. Um, I, I don't know why, again, I'm still trying to figure out why I've done that stuff, but I've always really enjoyed pushing myself mentally and physically, um, mostly physically because of that mental, you know, mm-hmm. what you can find out about yourself mentally, um, that way. And, um, there is, I'm trying the biggest blank now for some weird reason. There's a, a Japanese principle. Um, I can't believe I'm forgetting this, but it, it, it's, um, basically doing, um, something each year that you have a 50, 50 chance of finishing. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, what's funny is I just saw an Instagram reel that talked about that. And I don't remember, I was like, I made the mental note of, oh, you need to remember that. And it starts with an M or something like that. But I saw that this morning. So what are the chances that, that you brought this up? Oh, really? Yeah. It's, um, oh man, a Misogi. That's right. Misogi, um, yep. And, um, so that kind of ties in to my FKT attempt, but, um, when I had kind of gone through and, and we can dive in after we talk about my FKT uh, attempt, just kind of what brought me there in terms of, um, kind of going through, I've always been one of the most positive and happy people. I, I, you know, glass is always half full. Um, and, and I always thought depression and addiction was, um, weakness. And, um, you know, people that were addicted to something, I'm just like, you know, smoking or whatever. It's like, just stop, you know, like I never understood it. And, and, um, until I went through my own little, um, dark period, but, um, we can kind of dive into that here in a second. But when I came out of that, it took me about a year or so to even talk about my story. And then, um, I remember I was on a run and, uh, I couldn't even, sleep for uh, several days because I was so excited and trying to figure out how to get my story out there. And that's when I started up a podcast, but, um, and I started talking about it and I posted something on, um, Facebook kind of, I posted my story on Facebook and, uh, I had a, a, an editor reach out to me saying that he was moved by my story and wanted to write a, a runner's world article on it. And so, and that was a, like a two year process as well of interviewing myself, my wife, basically everyone, um, to, to kind of really figure out different perspectives of the story. But, um, as we're doing that, I was turned on to this, the concept of a Masogi and, um, I was really wanting to do something that, um, I thought was impossible. And I I couldn't, I, I kept on trying to think of different things that, you know, uh, uh, was it James Lawrence, the iron cowboy? I remember reading about his story and, and even, um, I ran part of the, the leg with, you know, his recent, um, hundred Ironmans in a hundred days. Um, people could kind of meet up with him here in Utah and, and run part of the, the marathon portion with him. But, um, I, I kept on trying to just noodle on, okay, w- what can I do that, um, would, raise eyebrows and have people, you know, think like that's crazy. Um, and I really wanted to do it in the, w- w- with the cause around raising awareness for mental health, which seems kind of funny to do something stupid for mental health. But, um, I think there's a lot of valid points to it. And I think a lot of, a lot of times we, um, we don't push ourselves physically and it's amazing at what can happen mentally um, and physically by, by pushing yourself. And, and, uh, can you explain a little bit more of maybe an example of where you've pushed yourself and where it's taking you mentally? Well, um, 
Yeah. So I think also, I mean, um, I'm, well, uh, there's a lot of times that I've, I've pushed, you know, like, so <clears throat> I guess what really got me into running, um, was a book called born to run. Got a lot of people, got a lot of people into to running. Great book. So in, in high school and college, I played rugby. Um, and I always ran throughout my whole life, not for enjoyment, but for working out and pushing myself. Loved hiking, uh, been skiing since I've been three. So I, I as well, and I love being in the mountains. Um, never cared to run a marathon. I never even ran over a half a marathon. Um, and the only times I did that was in a, a triathlon. And uh, I just, for me, running a marathon had zero, like I just want. Um, and I read the book and, and the part in the book that really resonated with me was uh, a part about mental toughness. And I would always pride myself on how tough our warmups were, right? Like we'd kind of say like our warmups are tougher than your workout or whatever. But, um, and, but even in a, a triathlon, I mean, you're couple hours or so, depending on what type of triathlon, right. Or, you know, workout. I mean, anyone can grunt through an hour to three hours or whatever. And, uh, I'd never been in a circumstance where I had to physically and mentally push myself past what I thought was my uh, limit. And, um, and so I decided I'm like, okay, um, I'm, I don't care to run like a road marathon. I love being in the mountains and hiking and, and, uh, for me, I'm always looking for the extremes. So I wanted to do something more than just a marathon because a, a million people do that. And, um, so I decided to do an ultra and, uh, I remember I reached out to a friend of mine, Eric Storheim, who is a, he was a, um, a, a sponsored, I think Patagonia sponsored him at the time, but he was a pro runner, a, a bigger name around here in Utah for sure. And, um, I reached out to him saying, Hey, which race should I do? And he sent me a list of a whole bunch of races and next to him kind of like, Oh, you know, um, really well supported you beautiful course, or he'd give a, a little description. And then he sent one that said speed goat 50 K and next to it, he just put extremely hard. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. That, that, that's the race I'm going to do because I thought to myself, if I don't want to quit in some cream puff race, you know, where you're, you're telling people and, you know, if, if I was going to quit, which I was hoping I, you know, I wouldn't, but if I did quit, I didn't want someone to be like, oh, you quit in that race, you know, like, um, so, but I don't know. Uh, so I decided to do the 50 K and, um, I found my bottom many times, um, in that race, but, um, it was just interesting where my mind would go. Um, when, when I hit those, um, those moments. Right. Um, and it was fun. I remember in that race, I started crying like, um, and I called my wife and luckily it, it went to her voicemail and luckily she deleted the voicemail. Cause I was like, I love you, you know, like a, a blubbering fool. And I don't, I just got full of gratitude for some reason, really, you know, just love. And, um, I'm sure my body was, okay, you're dying. We're going to flood you with endorphins. And, uh, I got really emotional and, and, um, but I, I firmly believe when, when you get out and push yourself mentally, just even the chemical changes in your brain with the dopamine and, and how it, how it, um, you know, it, it hits you. It's, it's extremely impactful. And, uh, I always just love digging down and finding that different part of myself, um, and, and seeing in, in what I was kind of made of, or just seeing what I, 
yeah, just seeing that different part of myself. And by doing that, I've, uh, I ran my first hundred mile race in 2016. And I remember when I finished that, um, I was, I looked at the world a lot differently in terms of roadblocks and obstacles of kind of like, oh, that's, that's not that big of a deal. Right. Like, um, see, I just ran a hundred miles or something like just this little problem is no big, you know, it's no biggie. And so it's, it's helped me look at life and challenges differently when I, when I do these big hard events. Um, and it doesn't have to be a hundred mile or some monumental Masogi or whatever it may be, but, um, I, you know, even just going out and doing something that completely sucks, like, you know, full on hard sprints or ice bass or something. It, it is, it, um, it's, it's interesting what it does to you mentally. I think, um, and I think that's the, at least for me is there's certain levels, right. And the, what that suck is. And after you, yeah. after you've hit that suck at one point, you realize, okay, that didn't kill me. What's the next level? What's that next level that I can go up to? And I don't know that I'm necessarily thinking what's that next level. It's just instantly I've kind of got this drive of like, oh, well, what, what can I do? And it's, it's amazing what we can do with our human body, right? If we, exactly. if we push ourselves. Well, re really quick, as I kind of get into the FKT attempt, um, when I was training for um, the Wasatch 100, which is the, in 2016 for the, so the first race I, I did, um, you have to do trail work, um, to, you have to do eight hours of trail work for some of these races to, to qualify or to, as part of the requirements. And of course I waited to like the last minute and I was, I was helping clear a trail up by solitude ski resort. And, uh, there was a guy there named Jared Campbell who, um, He's won, you know, the Barkley marathons a couple of times and, um, some other big races. And, um, I didn't know who he was at the time. And I remember there were a couple other runners like whispering, like, like he was Michael Jordan or something like us, oh, Jared Campbell. And I'm like, who's that? And they're like, you don't know who Jared is. And so I, I went up and was talking to him. I'm like, Hey, I'm running the wall. You know, this is my first hundred. And, um, I'm like, do you have any advice? And I remember he was asking me what my goals were and I told him and, and, uh, he kind of laughed or he's just like, well, just, just focus on finishing. <laughs> and I'm like, I was sitting, I'm like, well, screw you. But, um, I'm like, I'll finish. But, um, he, he, he said, he said he was helping pace a friend during that race. And, uh, he, all of a sudden his, his friend's whole body started cramping up and, and he was in very bad shape and he was, he wanted to quit. And so he was just saying, you know, let's get to that next tree. Um, and then when they hit that tree, you know, he's like, let's, let's just get to that mountain ridge. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, we got to get to the next aid station. It's only a quarter of a mile. So let's, let's, let's get there. And he said, once they got to the next aid station, he got him a bunch of, you know, some calories and, and liquid. And, um, at that point he, his friend was like, okay, let's keep going. You know, let's just go a little bit more. But he said he started running faster than he had throughout the whole race. And he was just telling me, he's like, you'll have a lot of heavens and hells. And he's like, just push through it. And he's like, the sun will rise again, you know, especially in a hundred, you, you, you run through the night and he's like, just know like that moment will pass. And he was just like, just push through it. And, um, it resonated big time with me and, you know, in races and even in life, but I became so myopic and focused on every little step. Um, cause I, one, I didn't, I never ran a hundred at the time and didn't know what to, how to, fuel for it or whatever. And I was trying to go all liquid nutrition 
and it was easy to, to measure out the calories. And I was using a, a product, um, um, that, you know, is fully electrolytes and, and calorie dense. And I'm like, okay, well, the human body can only absorb X amount, you know, maybe a couple hundred calories per hour. And I just started putting out baggies of, you know, and exactly knowing when and where and what to take. And I was so focused on each step on those little details. I remember when I crossed the finish line, um, I put a post out on, on social media and I, I was saying, I don't want to discredit anyone that's ran that race. Cause it still is, I mean, one of the toughest things I've done. Um, but I was so surprised when I crossed that finish line that, you know, it was kind of like, what, what else can I accomplish? You know, cause it, it's, I had never thought I could run hundred miles. Um, and when I did by just focusing on the details, it, I looked at things a lot differently. It, it did to your point just a second ago, it helped me raise the bar a lot because I think you, you get what you decide to focus on. And, um, and I, I think we limit ourselves a lot, but by doing a Masogi or pushing ourselves, we realize that we're capable of so much more. And so for me, when I finished that, he's like, okay, you know, then I started looking at two hundreds or, or whatever, but like, um, it, it, it definitely made me realize I'm capable of a lot more, um, than, than what I thought I was. But, um, and then, yeah, fast forward a, a few years, uh, later, um, for the, the Grand Canyon run, um, a friend of mine, she was like, well, <clears throat> you should do the, like a rim to rim to rim. And I'm like, okay, like millions of, you know, not millions, but thousands of people do that every you know year. Right. Like it's a common thing that that's not going to be no one's going to, I can't reach out to a news organization or something, but like, Hey, I'm going to run across the grand Canyon, do a rim to rim to rim for mental health. I mean, I'm sure they'd be like, that's cool. <laughs> but, um, it, uh, so I was like, okay. Um, so I start. I got on the FKT website and I started looking up, okay. Have, have people done a rim to rim to rim times like two or three or four. And, uh, there was one other guy that had done, uh, four rim to rim to rims or eight total crossings. And, uh, so I'm like, okay, this guy, he's the only guy I could see that had done it. And, um, it was nice that he had done it because I could get on his site and he documented every single thing. And so it was like almost a playbook for me. Um, so I decided to do eight crossings or a, a quadruple rim to rim to rim. And had uh, you, had you run in the grand Canyon at all before that point? No. Yeah. I'd never had, um, and then when I was, and, and I started planning this when I was g getting interviewed by Runners World as well, and I brought it up, and they're like, "We want it. We want this as part of our our piece." And and then they're like, "Well, we won't launch this until after you do it, um, because we want to include it in the result." And so that even lengthened. Um, I thought the article was dead because they just went silent on me, and uh, then they came back, but. Um, um, I went down to run, uh, do a rim to rim to rim as a trial run. So I could, you know, um, become familiar with the, the trailer a little bit. And, uh, as I was driving down there, I went with my brother and, and his friend and, uh, I was, you know, trying to do this run and, and launch a, a foundation or just try to raise awareness for mental health. And I was getting burned out because, you know, I was, you know, working, I uh, had my, my family and kids and, I, I was just had one of those moments where I'm like, Hey, this isn't like, who, who am I to, to help, you know, like do anything for, for people, you know, it's like, 
I'm doing all this stuff and it's just like, this isn't, you know, it's just wait, not wait, not a waste of time. Right. But it, it wasn't in my mind bearing a lot of fruit. And, uh, as we we're driving down there, I got a message on Instagram from some guy I didn't know. And, and, uh, he said, you know, I'm sure you don't, you know, know who I am or, or care, but he was said, I, I, I'm a podcast guy. I never, uh, my wife and I were in a fight, a fight and I was, you know, been really depressed recently. And he said he went out, he wanted to go mow his, he's going to go mow his lawn. And he's like, he wanted to listen to podcasts. So he <clears throat> opened up his phone and he said, for some weird reason, yours popped up. And he's like, I didn't know who you were or, or anything. I'm like, oh, it seems interesting. So he started listening to it and he said that he was just bawling the whole time. And he's like, good thing. It's kind of started raining. So he's like, people couldn't see that I was crying, but, um, he was like, your story resonated with me. And then he said, then he sent me a screenshot of like a text exchange between he and his wife. And it brought me to tears too. It's like, so right there for me, it was like, okay, this is why I'm doing it. Right. Like for that message. And, and I would randomly get messages and I still do actually, um, on social media from someone that had heard my podcast or, or about my story or, or read runner's world article and say, okay, this is for sure worth it. Like, you know, if, if I just help one person kind of cliche to say, but you know, that it, it is worth it. If, if you just help, you know, change one person's mind or save one person's life or whatever, or help one person out. It's, it's, well, what, it's all worth what it. What perfect timing when you were doubting yourself of yeah. what you were, of what you're doing. It was like even- the, the universe was like, okay, uh, he's uh we got to send him some little love to keep him going or something. I don't know, but yeah, it was amazing opportune time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then fast forward, um, we were about to, I was about to do that. The pandemic hit and, um, they closed the park down. So I had a, I had a, I had a postpone it. Uh, I was supposed to do that fall and, um, I postponed it to about May and it was tough trying to figure out a time to to do it because you're going to be running for about two days straight, um, basically through an oven, right? Like it's, I don't know for, uh, um, I mean, you were mentioning to me earlier that you, you'd ran that, that, that the trail, but it's interesting when you get down in box canning or some of those areas, I mean, the, the, the rocks just create is that convection oven style with with how it radiates the heat and, and um, you're, you can't help it, but you're running through there. I'm sure in the middle of the day, whereas I'm looking at that and I'm like, how can I avoid this in the middle of the day? But right. When you're doing that many crossings, you're, you're probably in there a couple of times. You have to. Yeah. And, um, that, that, that trail is awesome in the night though, too, when you're doing that and just the thousands and millions of stars above you and how quiet it is it is. But do you remember what the temperature changes were from the, the North rim down to, Phantom Ranch. Oh my goodness. It was, um, it was, I swear it was almost like a 40 degree change. Cause up at the very top of the North rim, which is where we, we started because it's, you know, the closest to Salt Lake. And, um, we started there and, uh, yeah, it was really chilly, um, windy, cold, but it, it's interesting. This, when you get about 50 yards down that trail, the wind just kind of stops and it, you can start feeling the the temperature go up and, um, it, it was, um, it was, it was probably about 110, um, uh, or more down by phantom when I was, um, on my first crossing. And, um, so I had crossed it 
I did rim to rim to rim. And when I was coming back down, uh, I had a pacer that I'd, um, we were going and, and I was, I was feeling pretty good and, uh, we're going down by, right by phantom heading up back up to the South rim. And, uh, I just handed him my, my bottles and, uh, the product as he is the same powder product is by a company called tailwind. And, uh, I gave him some, you know, I'm like, okay, fill this one flask up with tailwind and this other one just with water. And he, he cruised off and, um, when, when you did it, do you, do you know which, did you do bright, uh, bright angels or, um, so you know which one you went up? I've gone every time I go up, uh, bright angel and then come down south. Kind of this, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I had him go get my water. I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. Cause you know, I'm going at a very, you know, I'm just jogging basically, you know, slower pace. And, um, I'm like, okay, he'll be able to catch up easily. And, um, I kept, you know, I crossed the bridge over the Colorado. I started my ascent and I kept on looking back and I couldn't see him. And, uh, I'm just like, okay, he's, he's got to come. And, and, and I was completely out of water. And it was, as you know, that part is just fully exposed. There's zero trees. Um, are you going up bright angel? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, um, I, you know, and you can see for miles below you cause it's just, you're just winding up and I, I stopped for a while and I'm like, okay, I just gonna let him catch up and I couldn't find him. And I'm like, I don't know where he is. And, and so I just kept on pushing it and going and, uh, I got super dehydrated and, um, <clears throat> I got up to, it was about two miles from the top and there's a, like, a I don't know, a little stop, but there's no water um, there, and there, there were a bunch of people there that had come down from the South rim and, uh, just, it was a great va- viewpoint. And I'm, I just, I feel like I was going to throw up and I was lying, I found this little tree and I was lying in the shade of it, trying to wait for my pacer to come and he still never came. And I, I asked a couple for, if I could, I was telling them what was going on and I said, Hey, can I just have a sip of your water? And they were like, Oh, we'd love to, but you know, it's uh COVID and everything. We don't, want to spread germs. And I'm like, really? Like, um, I was about like, you know, they have a lot of donkeys going up and down those trails. And, um, I remember one, I seen, I saw one just taking a leak and I was like, I was like, I was almost at a point of like, I need, I'm just going to drink that wow. or something. I don't know. Like I was, uh, <laughs> you're desperate, you know? Yeah. I was very desperate. And, um, I couldn't believe that person, you know, if someone came up to me like, Hey, like I'm dehydrated big time. And, and you're like, nah, I'm going to keep the water. I don't want, you know, I don't want any germs. Do you think they actually really comprehended what you were doing? I don't think people. I don't think, I don't, I, I don't think they knew the extent of what I was doing or where, where I was at, like physically with the dehydration. And so, um, I started just kind of, I started feeling a little better and was stumbling up the trail and, and there was another couple by me and they're like, Oh, Hey, you know, how's it going? And I'm like, Oh, I've been better. And, and they're like, well, why is that? And I started telling them. And the guy was like, oh crap, here's my, he had a full Nalgene of water. And he's like, he's like, here's my water is, you know, kill it. So I, I guzzled it. And, uh, a friend of mine that was going to pick me up, pace me back to the North rim. And he was going to do a rim to rim to rim from the South rim. He had, he had, um, he was still driving to the South rim because I was pretty far ahead of schedule. 
And I, I was texting him saying, Hey, like I'm not in good shape. And so he, he finally got, and he just booked it down the trail and caught up with me about a mile, um, from there and gave me a bunch of water. And, um, it was funny. He, he gave me some water. I'm like, thanks. And we're going, and I remember was seeing him and I'm like, I, I really hope he has a Gatorade. I just, for some reason, just craving a Gatorade. And, uh, we were going up, um, we're probably about half a mile from the, the trailhead and, and he breaks out a Gatorade and starts drinking it. And I'm like, you dick, like holding out on me. He's like, Oh, you want some of this? I'm like, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I drank probably a couple gallons of water at the top and ate a bunch of food and I started feeling better. And, uh, I told him, I'm just gonna go to the bathroom before we go. And went to the bathroom and started peeing blood. And, uh, I, I remember I didn't tell him, I'm just like, it's not, you know, my, basically my kidneys were shutting down and, um, probably knowing the, the, just the terrain and, and how far I had to go to the North Rim probably, uh, wasn't the best I did to, to go. But, um, so I, I went, we went back down to the North Rim and barely made it up. The dehydration was kicking back in again. And I kept on, you know, I had blood, um, coming out and, I told a couple people up there and that they, I still was going to go, um, more and they kind of forced me to stop. Um, and so I, I just almost felt like I needed to keep going because the people I had, people were, were there for, for me to run this. Right. And, uh, I'm like, they're taking time out of their day and, and, uh, to help support it. And I felt like I was letting people down. So I was just kind of trying to push through it and they, they, they made me stop and, um, we were heading back to the hotel. And I started getting a bunch of text messages going back and forth on the group and everyone rallied together to, to finish it out, um, finish the whole eight crossings out. And so collectively we, we, we finished it and how it turned out was so much better for me. Um, just, I got enveloped in the idea of, of me doing this run for mental health and it almost became selfish. Like, okay, like this is the record I'm going to break. And I was just solely focused on, on me finishing it. And it was, uh, I think in life you, you need people, um, to make it through it, right. You're not going to, you're not going to make it through it. So solely, um, alone. And, and, uh, for me, it was a realization of how much we need people in our life. And the fact that I was doing it for mental health and depression, it just, everything came full circle of just the impact of the event and seeing people come together and, and finishing it. It was I couldn't have, how it ended, I wouldn't have picked in any other way. If, if someone's like, okay, if, if you could have finished this alone and, and broken the, you know, the, the record, the FKT or have it finished like it did, you know, would you take it the other way? And, um, I think I still would have it end the way it did. It was very impactful for me. Well, I think that, uh, it showed just that you weren't the only one that was running for, mental health, right? Like your friends rallied around right. you. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm making an assumption here, but I would assume that like a lot of times when we are struggling with our mental health to know that we have those people in our lives that support us is probably one of the best things that, that can help us through those hard times. And right there, it was a prime example of those people showing up when you needed them most. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, I am, I have, um, uh, I can talk about it later, but doing a, um, organizing a run for dementia and dementia and like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's runs in my family. Um, 
my grandma had Alzheimer's, my grandpa had Parkinson's, but the more I've, and my dad has dementia right now, but the more I've learned about neurodegeneration or just brain health, it's crazy. Probably the, 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 the three biggest things that you can do for, for brain health is exercise is like bar none, the, the best thing you can do. Um, nutrition and then social, uh, your social connections. So, um, it, I think when people get older and they retire, then they lose friends and they're, they're not a social, it's interesting to see how, how, how fast they can cognitively decline without social interactions. And I think it's very in tune with depression too. And to your point is we, you know, we, we need people, we're tribal people. Um, and I think that's kind of how I went down my slippery road is feeling like, um, so it, I'll kind of go into that a little bit, but back in 2016, um, I was working for a predictive analytics company and, uh, I, while I was working there as a startup, um, that's when I decided to, um, uh, run this hundred mile race. And, uh, then our company was acquired for RIP. And so everyone was let go. And so for, for me, you know, being glass half full, I'm like, okay, it's great. You know, I can time to recharge the batteries and, uh, I'll take a couple months off and really train for this race. And, um, I attribute a lot of this to like, uh, boxing where, you know, you, you get knocked. You know, so I started applying for jobs and of course you're not going to get the first job or second job or whatever that you apply for. Right. Um, sometimes that ha it works out that way, but the boxing element is, you know, you get turned down, you pop back up kind of like you get hit guy gets up, but the more and more you, you, you keep getting hit, the slower you, you know, you, you, it, it takes you more time to, to get up. And, um, I was just getting those little knockdowns of, of, you know, job, um, denials. And I think as guys, you know, we, 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 with families and kids, um, it's interesting when I got married and then once I started having kids, we have two kids seeing, you know, I'm just like, I'm, they're depending on me, um, and different things. And so it started really hitting me in a different way where all of a sudden I, I wasn't providing for my family. And, uh, I felt like a failure, you know, when I was, I kept on getting turned down. I'm like, I, you know, I can't support him. Um, my son, he, he wasn't doing well in school. And, uh, I felt like I was failing as a father of helping him study to, you know, I was dropping the ball on some of those things. Um, and my wife, I think she, she was a little depressed cause she, she knew she could feel I was, um, not happy. And so she, you know, she'd think it's her. And so it started affecting her and then she'd come home, she was stressed from work and she'd, you know, if my son, if he's failed the test, she'd get mad at me and yell at me and, uh, and it just, I started spiraling. And, um, at the time, you know, I was spending all the time with both my kids and even though she'd come home and, and she wasn't happy, I, I was looking at my kids and they just wanted to be with her. Right. Which at the time I was thinking, okay, like even my kids don't want to be with me, you know, but that's was far from the truth. Cause I was just with them all the time. And of course they, they wanted to be with me and, and their mom. But, um, I remember one time we're driving separately to a, uh, a place just cause we had to leave at different times. And, uh, I remember 
my wife, she said, you know, who, who wants to drive with me? And both my kids are like, we do. And they all jumped in, in the car and I was just like driving by myself. And I'm like, uh, this sucks, you know, like, but, um, as I just continue to get turned down by jobs and, um, and not being able to support my family, um, I just got in the mindset of like, okay, my family, they don't really care if I'm here and I can't support them. So the only way I could see in my head of how I could support them was insurance money. And so that's when I kind of planned my own, my own death. And I was up in the mountains running every day. And, uh, there's a mountain right outside of my house called Lone Peak. And I remember the first time I, I did that mountain, I, when I came home, I Googled how many people have died on Lone Peak. Cause it was, you said you went up there. It's pretty, um, I got vertigo up there. I've never had vertigo before. I remember like looking over the, it's just the thousand foot cliff and on three sides. Um, yeah, yeah. You're on this little block at the top and you have to kind of shimmy around to get up on it. And I was just like, man, there's a lot of idiots out there. I'm like, I'm, I'm, there has to be a lot of people have died on this. And I think only one or two people have, but, um, it's a very gnarly hike and long hike. And so I think that weeds out a lot of the, the people that are probably going to fall off of it, of being morons. But, <laughs> um, I remember thinking about that and I'm like, okay, that if I just took a little tumble up there, um, it would do the job and it would look like an accident. And so that's kind of, that was my, my plan, um, to do that. And, uh, I remember shortly after that, I was reading a, a book to my son at night. Um, it's called You Are Special. It's a, it's a little Christian book. Um, I can't even remember the guy who wrote the, wrote it, but it's about these wooden Wemic uh, people. And um, whenever they would fall down or do something wrong or whatever, they would get this, this dot would appear on them. And there's this guy that was just covered in dots and cause he was just clumsy and he kept on screwing up and he saw this, uh, girl who had zero dots on her. And so he was following her around and followed her to, um, this, the, a human, right. And he was the, the, their, their maker and right. And he saw him, he knew his name and he's like, come here. And, and, and he was talking to him and he said, why? And, and the, the little boy said, why, why doesn't this girl have any dots? And he said that. He, um, you know, got to know her or, or said that basically she's, you know, when, when she realized that she was special, her dots fell off. Just a second. <laughs> um, it's funny. I always, I always, um, uh, picture myself like at a funeral or something, giving a talk and then all of a sudden crying and then like, <laughs> having like everyone like, Oh crap. Yeah. Christian's crying. Like this is serious. You know? <laughs> so it's like, um, um, yeah, I, no, it's all right. I inherited my dad's e emotions. So I'm not that kind of guy to, um, I mostly cry like in, um, but for joyous moments is when I, when I cry. Um, but, um, anyways, <laughs> so it, I remember when I was reading the book, I couldn't even get, you know, I was just bawling. And my son was like, well, dad, what's wrong? And my like, oh, there's something in my eye, you know? Um, and, uh, he went upstairs, his room was downstairs and, um, I, I'm not like really a, a religious guy and I prayed for, I don't know how long and, um, decided to pray to, to God and just ask if basically if I was special and, uh, 
it was weird. I, um, I felt the, probably the most, um, empty feeling in my life. It was really weird. I, I was praying. I'm like, Hey, like, I'm not asking for some divine miracle or some light to, I'm like, maybe it's like a twink, like a little twinkle of my toe or like, I don't know, like what, you know, some sort of sign. And, um, I just felt this empty, empty feeling. It was weird. You'd think after that, you'd be like, okay, it's, it's time, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's no God or whatever, you know, like, um, and, um, but yeah, this, after that, I, um, I just kind of slowly started taking a little better care of myself, eating better. And, um, so you prayed and you had an empty feeling, but for some reason you decided that instead of letting that deter you and take you down the road of a deeper depression, you started to change your eating habits. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think I just, um, was continued with my same thought process and plan. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, um, just these little changes and, 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 um, I, I started, I, I went to the store, um, a, a few weeks after that. And, uh, I was checking out and, and I was walking out and this guy, this random guy walked by and he's like, he's like, how you doing? He's like, have a good day. And, uh, I'm just like, ah, oh, man, like that was awesome. You know, it kind of like made me feel good that day. And, and, um, I started just the more I would talk to people, the more I realized just how amazing people in life are. And, uh, it kind of, that's kind of what ultimately when I, I started just taking a little better care of myself and fell back in love with myself, um, uh, was the first and most important thing, but I just ended up coming to the realization of, of just how awesome life and people, you know, people are, are what pulled me out of it. Um, in terms of just at this time, were you sharing with your wife or your family? Mm -hmm. So you're still holding. No, and no one knew. So the only, the only person I remember, uh, I reached out to was, uh, one of my friends from a childhood best friends. And, um, um, it was through text message. Um, I sent him a text and saying, Hey, like, um, thinking about killing myself, you know, to give my, my, my family insurance money. And, uh, the only thing he said was like, you know, don't kill yourself. Your, your cute kids need you around. And that was like his response. And, I, and I, we haven't really spoken since then. Um, how did that make you, how'd that make you feel when you got that text? Message? Uh, it made me mad kind of, cause it's like, um, I'm like, really? Like I finally got the guts to open up to someone and, uh, there's like, ah, don't do it. Your kids need you kind of like, I'm like, okay, thanks. I guess, you know, uh, I, that was some good motivation. I'm, I'm for sure not killing myself now, but, um, I mean, and, and maybe I would have reacted the same before I had gone through that experience. I, I don't, I, I, who knows? I just don't know. I, I don't think I would have, but I mean, now if, if anyone even remotely said anything, like I would be in my car heading over there just to be like, Hey, let's go grab lunch or something. But I think that that, um, I, I think that that makes people feel really uneasy right and they don't know how they yeah they don't know how to handle it and that's the, that's the best thing that he could come up with in the moment he, he he probably yeah he could have not really thought i was serious or just yeah he just he felt awkward and didn't know what to say and it was like i ah, don't do it your kids need you but um yeah that was at that, that time he was the only person i um spoke to mm. about that 
So you were still really, yeah, you were making these steps to try to improve your thinking, but you were still really in the depths of. Yeah. A lot of times people were like, well, when was the turning moment? Like what, I mean, it's like, man, it, yeah, it, it, it takes, it takes some time to, to bounce out of, you know, it's not like, usually it's not like one moment. Um, you have this aha moment and it's just like, ah, that makes sense. I'm good now. Or, or, um, I'm looking at this the wrong way. And, you know, it, it, it was a, now I look back on it, it seems like it was a much shorter time frame uh, in terms of the, the kind of digging out of that hole, but it, it took, took a while. And I think you always still, you know, deal with those demons every now and then, but. Time really seems to slow down though, when we're in the, the midst of grief or pain, you know, a month when you're happy goes by really fast, but when you're not happy, right. it can seem like a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you're not happy, it, it goes slow. That's for sure. All right. So you'd reached out to your friend. What, what was your next, next step in this, in this process? Uh, next step of kind of in the story of, of, yeah, well that, that would, when I reached out to him, that was, I, that was a little bit before, um, no, that was actually, um, yeah, that was right before kind of when I was reading to my son, that kind of, and, uh, so after that, um, yeah, I, um, just kept, you know, I, again, I, I kind of started taking care, better care of myself, um, getting more active again. That was a big thing. Uh, when I'm not active, I can, it, it hits me. Like I can, um, I can tell, you know, um, but, um, I ended up getting a job and, uh, just these little things that, um, made me feel, feel like I was contributing to the family better. And, um, I think getting a job was a huge, you know, huge step, um, helping me feel accomplished and, and providing and, uh, took my mind off things too. Um, but it was just these, you know, little baby steps of, um, uh, taking better care of myself. Um, I think once I, felt kind of back in love with myself, things kind of, you know, I was able to, cause I was always like, I was always focused on outward, like, okay, I, I need to make my relationships better or, you know, I, or whatever it may be. Um, but then all of a sudden when I kind of took that inwards and, and just took care of myself first, um, the rest just started taking care of itself. You know, when you start feeling better and, and loving yourself, you, you are more kind, you, you, you do things for others. Um, and, and, things like that without even thinking about it. And so, um, as I got a job and started taking better care of myself, it just, that flywheel kind of started spinning again. And, um, and then, yeah, I fast forward probably about six months after that. It was almost about a year after that whole episode when, um, I finally felt comfortable talking about it. Um, and, uh, just because who did you open up to yeah, first? Um, you know, I, I, I kind of talked to my wife and, and some friends, but never, I never told, I never told the whole story or the extent of it. It's kind of more just like, I was some, you know, I was depressed. Um, it was basically when I put out like on social media, kind of like typed up my story, um, and it took a lot to, to hit submit or send on that too. But that was, I think really kind of the first time I, I 
put it out there that I had planned my own death. How did your um, how did your wife react when? I think she, um, well, I think she's a little hurt that I did I I didn't confide in her, but um, I think also the reason why I didn't is um, she was like very much like me at the time and of not really understanding. Like she's she didn't she she was in the same mindset of you know depression was kind of weakness and uh, I remember there were several times she's like she'd say this is before you know years ago of saying like if we're watching a movie or something and, or, or someone kills themselves and she's like, that's the most selfish thing. I don't get it. And, um, you can easily look at it. It's selfish. I think sometimes it is selfish, but, um, most of the times it's not like in my circumstance, um, in my head, I was, I'm like, how can I support my family? Like, how can I give to my family? And it had nothing to do with me not wanting to live anymore. Um, I wasn't like this life sucks. Um, I want to end it. Um, for me, I just, I was trying so hard to provide and be a good father and, um, and, and provide that for me, I, I, I thought I was, you know, acting for others, you know, it wasn't, it was almost a sacrifice for me to, to end it. Um, but it was how I could support my family. And, um, I just didn't, I didn't know who to confide in, um, because at the time it's getting better. Right. But uh, I think a lot of people, there's a stigma around it. And a lot of people just look down, um, upon, uh, depression and, and maybe probably cause they don't understand it, but I just didn't know necessarily who to talk to much at the time. And, 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 and when I started putting out my story and I've, um, it, well, it's funny. So with my running, um, I had, I had a, uh, I was, I'm an ambassador and, uh, I had a couple, I had a sponsor at the time. Uh, there was a company called ultra aspire and they're launching a new bag and they contacted me and said, Hey, we need some, um, talent for, you know, to, for, to, to help do a, a video for our new product. And they're like, would you be available, um, to do like a running video? And I'm like, Oh, for sure. And I met up with this guy, the videographer that has done a bunch of stuff for them. And, uh, he was just asking me questions. We we're up in the mountains, um, trying to do, you know, do some shoots. And he's like, you know, what kind of, what are you passionate about? What, 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 what do you do? And I was telling him what I did for work. And, um, I'm like, you know, that's what I do for work. But my real passion is, is around running and, and, but you know, also mental health awareness. And he kept on asking me questions and I'm like, this guy's really curious about it. And then all of a sudden he opened up to me and said, Hey, like I've, thought about suicide many times and he kind of started talking to me about his story and the more i've talked to people it's it's weird um the majority of the people i talk to all of a sudden they're like yeah i've i've had you know not necessarily suicidal thoughts right like uh, but they were talking about like i've gone through some dark moments and uh it kind of hit me i'm like hey this is actually really common um you know, everyone goes through it at some point in their life and everyone's affected by it, you know, with a family member, friend or, or whatever at some point. And, um, now I, I know a whole bunch of people that I could, you know, confide and talk to, or, you know, including my wife and others, but at the time just, I didn't know who to, you know, I, I'm also a typical guy. I don't really share my feelings. Um, and you know, it's like, I think men need more solutions than, um, I was talking to my wife about the other day cause we kind of got in a fight and, 
she she kept on wanting to sit down and she's like let's let's talk through our emotions and and i don't know as a guy not joking about death but i think i'd rather be dead than <laughs> sit down and, and talk about my emotions you know it's like i i, I need you know, I think we need more solu- we're more solution oriented, um, <laughs> not emotional that way. Um, but we, we do need that outlet. Um, it's probably just a little different than how I think how females, um, in general, um, probably talk or, or, or need support. Right. Um, I think guys, a lot of times more so need that support, uh, in terms, you know, uh, knowing that they're loved and, and that they're valued. Um, and, um, and, and, but yeah, so there's, yeah, I think now, uh, I, I, I there's a lot of different ways that, uh, and people I could talk to. I just didn't really know at the time. What are, what are some signs if somebody's got some friend, you know, maybe they can recognize in their friends or family members that's, <laughs> yeah. and people that don't want to open up. Right. But there's gotta be some visible signs of something that's going on to, to recognize or be aware of. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a really good question because I mean, I mean, how many times have you heard about, um, someone killing themselves or something and people are like, dude, I had no clue. They seem, they seem happier now than they've ever seen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's almost the, the editor, the runner's world writer. Uh, he was saying that to me cause he was like, man, he's like, I read your story. And then I was, I was looking through all your social media and he was like, I was kind of taken back a little bit. Cause like, he's like, this seems to me to be the perfect family, you know, like you, you got a couple of beautiful kids, a wife and, um, you're traveling a bunch and, you know, um, but it, it's, uh, again, I don't really share my feelings much. And so, I mean, people are close to, you, you can kind of maybe see things are off or see that if you're a really active person and you're not, you know, you've, you've changed behaviors a little bit, um, that, you know, that's a sign, but I, I remember, so the company I worked for back in 2016 that, you know, it was acquired, um, there was a data scientist that worked there that I became, you know, just a, a good acquaintance with, and we'd randomly bump into each other throughout the years. And, uh, um, <clears throat> this was, I don't know, was this a couple of years ago? Um, he, he just reached randomly reached out and, uh, wanted to go get lunch and to catch up and he just got a new job and we were talking and I told him about my story. Um, and, uh, he, he kind of opened up a little bit and was like, I've had some, some issues in the past. And he's like, I I would love to be on your podcast. He's like, he's like, I have an interesting story and I'm like, let's do it. You know? And, um, then we met up for coffee again a few weeks later and, uh, my wife and I were for our anniversary we were planning on traveling to, to Paris and Amsterdam. And, uh, he had been, he's like, I love Paris. And he was giving me all these notes and went on the trip, came back, met up again with him for coffee and I was showing him pictures and he's like, ah, oh, it's awesome. You know? And, uh, happy two days later, he kills himself. Um, and it hit me so hard. I mean, he wasn't a good, I mean, I'd probably seen him the, those three times in the last like five years. And we just randomly like on social media or would exchange, you know, messages, but I'm like, man, like it just threw me for a loop. Cause I, and, and so then I started beating myself up. I'm like, I should have had him on my podcast or what, um, that I, I remember I was talking to his wife and, uh, um, I mentioned that and she was like, you know, kind of like that, that has nothing to do with, you know, 
you know, you know, no one knew uh, the, the extent that he was in, you know, his wife knew that he had been depressed before, but, um, I, I kind of realized that like, yeah, obviously it wasn't my fault that, like, you know, it's not like if I had him on my podcast, it would have saved his life. But, um, um, I think he was looking, I, I think he had some issues with jobs in the past as well. And I think his, he, he, um, gravitated to me a little bit just due to my experience and probably felt the same, very similar, um, I don't know any of the reasons what happened there, but, um, it, it's interesting because a lot of times you just don't know, but, um, I think, you know, if, if you start seeing people's behaviors change, I mean, obviously more, there are a lot of other people that, um, are more vocal about their emotions, but, um, I've started just to being a lot more cognizant of as I work from home. What I used to do when I worked in an office is, um, on my way home or to work, I would call, I would, um, I just, I love people. And so I would, I would call people just to catch up and see how they're doing. And I've, and recently I realized that I don't do that anymore. And so I, I think a big thing too is, is, um, you know, uh, there's what some, you know, some people do gratitude hour or morning or, you know, where you kind of maybe focus on, you know, maybe if there's someone that comes to your mind or you haven't reached out to for a while, like I think a lot of times people, if they just, need to know that, you know, that you're, that they're loved. And, and so I, I, I've really just become cognizant of trying to reach out to certain people each day just to say hello. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out to one of my friends that's really good at this. And that, his name's Cade Matthews and he lives down in St. George. And every once in a while, I'll just get a text from him and says, man, I love you. Or man, I'm yeah, thinking about yeah. you. And it makes you feel so good. And for me to reciprocate that to him, it's easy because he's already set that groundwork. Yeah. Right. And, but I look at that and I'm like, man, he was brave enough to do that and reach out to me. Like how yeah. many other people would benefit from me being able to reach out to them and say that? And I've, right. I've got another friend, Tom, he's really good at that too. Like we'll go do a trip or something. And then I, I mean, the last one I did with him, he just looked at me and he goes, Chris, I love you for who you are. And you know, I was like, oh, man, what makes you feel good? Makes you feel good. And for guys, I don't think that that's normal behavior, but at the end of the day, it still makes us feel really good. Right. It's not normal, but I think you have to kind of, um, I mean, I think sometimes we do it more frequent than others, but, um, and other guys or whatever, but, um, you know, even someone's at the store, a random stranger saying hello, like it feels good, you know, um, I think one of the, the, one of the things that would make, that would irritate me. I remember when I, so when I was looking for, uh, for some sponsors and different things for the, the race, the FKT attempt, uh, I reached out to a, like a large national mental health. I don't want to say their name, but a charity. And, uh, cause I was going to do a Kickstarter and different things for, um, I was working with Enso rings and, um, uh, we did these cool bracelets, like these, uh, more like high end silicone bracelets. I have these metal clasps and, uh, it was for the foundation that I was building. And I reached out to them and kind of told them about my story and they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like they're, they're, they're they were like, right when they said that, I'm like, I'm not sorry. Like I'm, I'm really glad I went through that because it opened my eyes. Um, it was a, you know, luckily I was able to get out of it, but they were treating me like not as a, almost a, I don't want to say a victim, but it was kind of 
they kept on saying like, oh, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And, and, um, and it's like, you guys are a mental health charity. Like, um, they were talking to me in a different, it, it was weird how they were talking to me. It kind of like, I don't, I felt awkward. I'm like, uh, I, I don't want pity. Like, I, 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 and, and that's one thing I, when I first started kind of telling my story, a lot of people like almost felt pity for me. I, I don't know. I, I'm not conveying the right words, but like, it was weird how, um, it's like, I don't want someone to feel sorry for me. You know, it's like, um, I, I think a lot of times guys don't want, it's more of that feeling loved and valued of, um, but not coming in and being like, Hey, do you need help? Or what? Cause it's like, guys, I think, you know, they're, it's, you know, if you're a family man or not or whatever, but we're, we're wired of, you know, us more helping, you know, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if you feel that way. I think, I think a lot of times it's just being recognized and recognizing right. that, oh, you're going through a hard time right now. Let me listen to you. Yeah. People, people want to be heard. Um, and then, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to feel, I don't want, I don't want your pity. I don't want your sorrow. That almost makes me feel worse at that point, but let me talk it out. Say, Oh, right. Like recognize the pain and then see where it goes from there. Like for me, it, it, it seems like if I'm telling somebody something, that's, it's really, I just, I just want to talk it out and maybe be recognized. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. For, for me, a lot of times, like, I, um, yeah, I do, or I don't want to talk, you know, talk it out. Like sometimes it's also like what you need is just a good friend. Like, you know, Hey, let's go for a run. Um, or let's go to lunch, you know, let's just catch up or like sometimes just talking about other stuff, um, or, or whatever. Like there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, well, and that's having that friend to go for the run or go to the lunch shows that somebody's there and they care about you. And I know, I think a lot yeah. of times that that's all we need is just to know that we've got, we've got somebody that's, that's there yeah. on our side. Yeah. I know. I, I get a lot of people ask like, Hey, my nephew is going through depression or like, how do I talk to them? And, um, uh, you know, I usually just say exactly kind of just make sure you're there for them. They feel loved and valued. And, um, and this was a, a female and it was her nephew. And it's just like, Hey, don't, don't talk to him like you would your other girlfriends. Cause it's probably going to make it worse. You know, just, um, you, you know, just make sure that he, he feels, feels loved. Like, cause if you, if you do go up to someone and say, Hey, like, let's talk about things like, you know, you seem depressed or they're going to close up probably. I'm probably guilty of that. I'm probably a little bit more open about my emotions than you. And, it's like, for me, I'm like, ah, oh, this is very valuable to talk about it. But same time, if I don't want to be, I can, I can relate also. Like if I don't want to talk about this and somebody is very direct yeah, to yeah. me about it, like, oh, let's talk about this. Even though I am fairly open about them, like instantly I'm like, nope, I don't want to talk about them now. So that's a, that's a good point. And just, just building that, just working on that relationship. And if they do want to open up, they will. And if not, that's fine too. Just, just be there for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Christian, what, what else do you've got going on? I know you've got some projects right now. You alluded to one earlier. Let's tell us what you've got going on and what you're working on currently. Yeah. Um, I am putting together, I'm going to, I can send it to you. I'm updating a website that will have all the information on it right now. It's, it's, uh, more on the mental health side of it, but, um, uh, as I mentioned with, with Alzheimer's and dementia, it runs in my, I'm dealing with, with that, with my father right now. And, um, 
have partnered up with the Linden Foundation, which is a national charity around Alzheimer's. But um, so it, it's it's more for uh, dementia, uh, but it falls right in line with a lot of the mental health stuff that, um, um, and 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 even how you can prevent dementia from exercising to nutrition um, as well as social connections. Those top three are, I, I think, one of the top three for just you know brain health and and mental health. Um, I'm doing, I'm organizing a race on June 17th and it's a, a backyard ultra style. Um, where's, so it's, where's uh, this race going to be located at? It's going to be in Dimple Dell in Sandy, Utah. There's, um, a park up at the top. I think it's called Granite Peaks or Granite Park. Perfect area to kind of stage it. Um, but it's, a for those that aren't familiar with backyard ultra format, it's a 4.167 mile repeatable loop. So the idea is if you run 4.167 every hour for 24 hours, it's a hundred miles. Um, I think Lazarus, the, the guy that came up with the, the Barkley marathons, um, is the, the originator of the backyard ultra format too, but that was the, the reasoning behind it. So if you run the loop, it, it starts again, it starts on the hour, every hour, uh, and, and you, you keep going until the last person is standing. Um, so it could go for 20 hours. It could go for 48 hours. Um, as long if people just, it's the last person standing that completes the loop. And so if you run the loop in 40 minutes, you have 20 minutes to relax and hang out. Um, and then you start again. And the one thing I love about it is it's, it brings in the mental strategic component of it too, where, you know, it's all about pace and how hard you push yourself at different, different areas and to give yourself rest or a little, you know, more or less rest, how you feel. Um, but I, the one thing I love about it too, is it brings out the, the, the crazy people that are very competitive. Um, and you, you can also, you know, little kids and elderly people, whoever that want to help support can, you know, they can come and, and do a, a lap um, or whatever it may be. And, and, it, and it also helps it be more spectator friendly because you're, you're starting to stop in the same area. So you can kind of go help support anyone running it. Um, we're going to have some live bands playing uh, some ice baths there to uh, stretch lab as a, a local company. They're going to come out and help stretch people out and, um, some, some great IHC is going to help out and donate the timing chips. I'm, I'm trying to put together all the the details and I, I wanted to, to launch a virtual element of it too, where, um, you can, uh, you know, find your own 4.167 mile loop and through Strava or through, I, I got to search to see the best way to, to track that and organize it. Uh, so people could kind of come in and do it virtually where they could start and stop at the same time, um, and run their own loop anywhere they want. But that might, the logistics might, I don't know. I, I got to figure that out, but regardless, there will be a, a big in-person, um, portion of that. And I, I'll send you the, the website, but it sounds like a great um, event and a great cause as well. Yeah. And then, I mean, if, uh, my, my Instagram is called mindset runner. Um, or you could just search my name, but I'll be posting updates on that too. If you wanted to, um, search that up, but sure. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes and, uh, we'll go from there. Christian, thank you so much. For, yeah. Thank you, Chris. And I'm glad we were able to, to get together and to talk and some very valuable information that I know that all of us at 
one point or another, it can benefit us and our relations. Agreed. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Thrive With Motion. We've learned how nature uplifts, heals, and pushes our limits from inspiring guests. Embrace adventure, reflect, and connect with the natural world. Like, follow, and download our podcast for updates. We welcome feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Let's thrive and discover what the outdoors has in store.